This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, our co-host and the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So today, it's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open. We welcome all your pet questions from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or a dog at home, or maybe both? Do you have a question about getting an exotic pet like a rabbit, snake, or ferret? Don't hesitate to join our conversation by phone or email because Dr. Major is ready to take your questions. Also, if you've had a brush with wildlife recently, we always like to hear those experiences as well. So join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464, or email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing well. Glad to see it a little bit cooler today and a little, little rain we needed. That's great. Yep, it's getting getting quite wet out there, but that's always, uh, as long as it doesn't come in too too many, uh, too much, it's it's a good thing. Uh, also, another reminder we've been giving you the last couple of weeks that the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science is now open. Uh, it has opened recently, but with new safety guidelines in place. As always, with the mask mandate in Mississippi, you must wear your mask, and there are timed arrival reservations are required for your visit. If you'd like some more information, you can call the museum at 601-576-6000 or go to mdwfp.com slash museum. So, uh, Dr. Major, we have a pet question on the line already, so let's go to uh, Clayton, who's called in from Meridian. Clayton, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning. I have a uh, about a year-and-a-half-old female toy poodle. We leave her and her, we call them brother, for Dotson at home all day. Just in the last two days, she has decided while we're gone to start peeing on our bed. Ooh. So okay. I'm... I'm washing the comforters every day and put them back on, but when we come home, there she is. Right, right. That's bizarre. I mean, she's two years old, did you say? About two years, year and a half, yeah, two years yeah, old, and she yeah. just started doing this just two days ago. Right. Have you all been at home and now going back to work, or is this routine no, been going on? No, it's pretty much routine now. been going on. Uh, she sh- yeah. should be used to it. Right. You know, I guess the questions are, you know, why is she doing it? Uh, is she uh, urinating anywhere else? Uh, yes, in, yes, inappropriately. We have the bull puppy pads down, you know, in the right. bathroom, and uh, she'll get down and, and go there while we're at home. And there's even evidence of it while we're at work. But when we pull the sheets back to go to bed at night, there's the little spot. It's going to be difficult to give you the absolute answer to that. <laughs> my my suggestion, and this is something that I, I, I leave up pee pad on my bed uh, would be to put one or two pads there since she's used to using them and uh, hopefully she'll go there rather than on the comforter That's, unfortunately uh, we've tried that, tried that and and she scratches them away and he's on, wow. on the comforter do you think it might have anything to do with it? she might be coming into heat certainly it could uh, uh-huh. we see some bizarre behavior or changes in behavior because of that uh, do you feel like she's probably ready to come in season i believe so i believe it's okay. just about that time this will be her second time right. 
Right. Uh, short of uh, shutting her out of the room, uh, which may be a, an option if she continues to do this, certainly hormonal changes could cause her to be uh, urinating, what I would call inappropriately. But that's the only place that she's going in addition to her pee pads that you've got at, down on the floor. Right, correct. Okay. Uh, I wish I had a better answer. It doesn't <laughs> sound like she's got an infection. Generally, with an uh, infection, they would be going many times elsewhere. Right. But uh, that might be the best uh, observation. She's probably come in season, and certainly that can change her habits. Gotcha. Uh, if this continues or persists, you probably need to have a urinalysis done as your vet. But let's see how this plays out. And if she were mine and she was doing this every day, I think I'd have to close the bedroom door. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it so much. Y'all have a you good day. You take care. Thank you. Thanks, Clayton, for your call. Dr. Badger, what about, is it possible that the, the scent of the urine is still on the comforter, and so she's kind of gravitating toward that because she's done it before and it still smells like it's an area she should go? Possibly. Uh, of course, he says, you know, that they're taking care of that and washing it every day. It is difficult to get all the scent out. But, uh, gosh, it's a shame she won't go on the, the pee pad uh, that they put on the bed. She just, for some reason, she wants to, to go there. And it may be more hormonal, psychological than anything else. Yeah, that was kind of odd that, uh, no, no, I'll move that pad out of the way. I want this comforter. <laughs> uh, we've got another caller on the line, so let's go to Clarksdale for our next call. And Mary has called in today. Good morning, Mary. You're on the air with us. Hi, how are you? Doing good. What do you have for us today? Okay, I have a terrier, and he scratches all the time. He's on Perfecto, so I know he doesn't have fleas, but I don't understand. I, I don't know what to do about the scratching. I right. think he might have some kind of allergy, but I don't know if I should try to give him, like, Zyrtec or if I should just, I don't know what to do. You know, this is a, a very common common complaint or question. Uh, there may be a food allergy, certainly possible, uh, or he may have seasonal allergy relating to things that uh, are in the air and, you know, out in the yard. Uh, I would suggest this. If you haven't tried a food that, uh, a different food, it might be wise to try that. Where, where, where is he scratching primarily? Just underneath or everywhere? It's a tablet that's given 
And the other is called Cytopoint. Uh, it is an injection and usually lasts four to six weeks. So okay. these are things that might help you. Uh, certainly, uh, he can do some damage scratching and chewing and, and set up infection in the skin, whether it's a yeast infection or bacterial, and can become severe if not, if not treated. So I would suggest talking to your vet about the possibilities. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for your question. Take care. Good to hear from you, Mary. Thanks for the call. Uh, Dr. Major, a follow-up there. You know, I think in humans, uh, when there's a suspected allergy, there's a test that they can give to help the physician determine what the allergy is. Is there anything similar to dogs and cats, or is it kind of a, a, a trial and error sort of thing? In a lot of cases, it is trial and error. The latest uh, prices that I've had on allergy testing uh, would probably be in the four to $500 range. A lot of people would rather go on and uh, try some different treatments uh, to be able to uh, come up with a possibility. The food could be an issue, and uh, she needs to talk to her vet about that, possibly changing food, doing a food trial, or one of the options that I, I discussed with her. It sounds like fleas are not a problem. That's the most common cause of itching and scratching, certainly, would be fleas, and she's taking care of that. But obviously, as well, if someone comes in the clinic with a pet who's scratching, uh, an obvious physical examination would be able to help you uh, know if it were fleas or ticks involved. I would think that, and certainly uh, she needs to discuss with her vet the options that are available, and there are some good options that seem to work. Let's get one more call in before our first break, and it's Jerry who's called in today. Good morning, Jerry. You're on the air with us. Yes, sir. A question that y'all may have covered in detail already on your show, and I just missed it. They have some heated conversations, well, lengthy conversations, or if they get that heated, about the advisability of sharing food, human food, with animals, particular dogs that have chocolate in some variety, like a chocolate milkshake or chocolate cake or just smaller or some amount of chocolate. I guess the vet schools have an opinion, and I guess Dr. Majors has an opinion, and I'd kind of like to hear it just to, just to put sure. that in the mix there. You know, that's a great question, and uh, it, it, it does uh, have several ramifications if you go to excess with that. The dark chocolate, like Baker's chocolate, certainly can be quite toxic, especially to small dogs. Um, there's some uh, constituents of that, uh, theobromine, and some other things that can actually cause heart issues and or pancreatitis. The milk chocolate or, you know, sharing a little chocolate milkshake with your dog, sure, why not? Uh, I'm not opposed to some of that. The problem is that uh, we see some things called hemorrhagic gastroenteritis, which is basically bloody diarrhea and uh, a hematocrit or Paxil volume uh, going out the roof, if you will, somewhere around 70, uh, 60% in that range, 60 to 70%. And that usually is from indiscretion, getting in the garbage or whatever, and not necessarily from chocolate. The other thing that chocolate, if given in excess, and I'm not saying to feed chocolate, but it sounds like a lot of people do feed some, would be pancreatitis. Uh, most chocolates have a fair amount of fat in them and can cause some serious issues. So uh, if you had to feed chocolate, which I don't recommend, 
uh, milk chocolate would be a whole lot better than Baker's chocolate. But the recommendation from the vet school uh, is really correct. But being a pet owner, let's see how many I have now. I have two cats, three dogs. Uh, certainly it's hard not to share with them from time to time. And I'll be, I'm not, I won't lie and say that I don't share a little bit, but I try not to share the chocolate. All right. Okay. Does that help? Does that help any? Well, like oh, everything else, all things in moderation. So. Well, de- definitely. And the bottom line is that some dogs are more sensitive to it than others. And, uh, I would be very careful with, uh, sharing any type of food with the dogs, uh, but at the same time, uh, I understand that it does happen. So good luck to you. Sounds like you, you're certainly on top of it and just don't overdo it. Moderation would be certainly the answer. We got it and we appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, Jerry, for your call. Yeah, just a, an occasional treat of milk chocolate a little bit might be good for your dog, but don't overdo it in, in small doses, that's for sure. And you hate to even say even that, but uh, yes, it does happen. It's time for the first break of the hour. When we return, we'll be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. Also, a brush with wildlife. If you've had a recent one and you'd like to share it, we'd love to hear about it. So call with your questions and comments. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today we're taking your pet questions, and we're also looking for any brushes with nature or wildlife that you'd like to share with us. To join the conversation with your question or comment, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, so we've got some open phone lines, by the way. So if you do have a call, a question, uh, go ahead and give us uh, a call and we'll put you right on the air. Uh, so, Dr. Major, I've uh, always heard that uh, pets, uh, especially cats, will kind of lick their owners to get the scent, their own scent on the skin. But the other thing I read about the other day, just wanted to make sure this is correct, is that um, – Cats like salt, and there are some sort of other things that are in our sweat that they seem to like and uh, actually benefit from. Have, have, am I on the right track with that? So you're saying that cats like to lick us because of that, right? That's part, part of the reason from what I'm gathering. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the cats like to groom us uh, <laughs> to a certain extent. Plus, unless you've washed your hands good after eating, the cat's going to uh, detect food or whatever on your fingers and want to lick there. As far as a craving of salt, uh, I would have to say that that's out of my knowledge there. I don't really know that that's the reason that they do that. Uh, I have a little dog that uh, he likes to to lick. uh, As you come out of the shower, I know that's gross, but 
he likes, <laughs> he likes the of water off of your legs when you come out of the shower. It is annoying, but uh, he does that. Uh, and uh, that's, I can't explain exactly why the cats do that, but I, I suspect that a lot of, if you watch cats, if you've got two cats, especially, they tend to groom themselves if they're at least on a very uh, amicable basis. Uh, on the other hand, there's some cats that say, don't touch me, don't, don't even get close to me. But uh, there's a certain amount of that that goes on, and that may be part of what's going on from the standpoint of uh, uh, licking you, licking your hands or licking your arm. Uh, you're right. You know, my brother has two cats, and I've watched them sometimes, and you're right. They'll do the thing where they kind of start grooming each other. One will do it to the, the other one, and then the other one gets a little bit tired of it, and, and suddenly it becomes a little bit of a tussle there. So, Right. <laughs> it's... it's I, it's hard to say. I don't. I don't really have an answer that that would be absolute that they won't get salt off of you. Okay. All right. Uh, got a caller on the line, but a quick email here that says looking for recommendations for flea control for cats that can be purchased at local stores such as Target, Sam's, Walmart. Uh, something that uh, might uh, really do the job. Well, the first thing is to always look closely at a label and be sure that it is approved for cats. Uh, we run into problems a lot of time with some of the flea control products that are strictly for dogs. Uh, sometimes somebody will buy a large size of that and split it between multiple cats, but do not use the dog products unless it says you can on cats. Uh, Over-the-counter, uh, there's a whole host of those. Uh, some of them work, some of them don't. And if you're going to try that, just hope that it does like it's supposed to be uh, if you have a topical which would be most of those always put it where the cat cannot lick it uh, because it will deactivate it and sometimes some cats will literally lick the hair off where you apply something like that so uh, be careful uh, to tell you a particular brand name um, there's a whole host there uh, and I think you can just try to pick one and see See if it works for you. Uh, my personal observation is that I went that route for a while, but I uh, I found that, uh, as you mentioned, that the flea protection was not as good. I eventually switched to Brevecto, and again, I don't own stock in it. I don't think Dr. Major does, but just my personal recommendation is that uh, it has worked uh, 100% better for flea control for my cat. And also, I like the idea that with Brevecto, you only have to apply it, I think it's once every three months or so, because uh, it's always... Uh, a, a, a an ordeal uh, to get it. Uh, I have to, you know, kind of pin the cat down and and have the other the little uh, apply the applicator in your other hand, and he doesn't like it, and uh, so uh, we're not buddies there for I don't know about half an hour afterwards. But I would again, just a personal recommendation. The Brevecto has really worked well for my cat. It has it has for a lot of a lot of the cats, and uh, we, uh, you know. One of the real problems, and I'll say this, one of the real problems is where you've got someone that has five to ten cats. You know, how do you treat those for fleas if you've got a flea infestation? And that is a real problem. And I, I tell people to pick the if they do treat, to pick the cats who've got the, the worst fleas. Sometimes fleas are attracted more to a particular color or a certain cat. And uh, treat that cat, uh, at least treat some of them. But uh, certainly you would like to have a group of cats that's flea-free, and uh, that gets to be a problem. 
We've got another caller on the line. This time, we're going to go to Madison. Uh, Bert has called in today. Good morning, Bert. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Good morning. I was wondering if there's been much conversation, acknowledgement, and rhyme or reason uh, uh, with the good fortune of a lot of Mississippi kites being around. Uh, months ago, spent some time in Oxford, number uh, flying around there, uh, calling, and also in Ridgeland. Right, I've seen also, and uh, don't you suspect it has something to do with food supply uh, right now? They they like a lot of other, we have a lot of the uh, flying insects right now. I know they like to uh, probably predate on some smaller uh, animals, but usually they're after the, uh, the insects. I'm not sure that I can answer the reason why there are more at this time. Uh, Weather conditions, I mean, it's been hot, so I'm not sure that that has anything to do with it. And, of course, uh, nesting, I'm not sure that we're seeing any nesting kites here. Have you seen any evidence of a nest or anything like that? I have not. I have not. Um, And I did not realize they ate insects. Is that considered omnivore or? I think they're opportunists, and they will eat uh, that and probably other small small birds, uh, that sort sure. of thing. Yeah. You know if their calls are pretty similar to a hawk, red tail? I think a red tail is pretty similar. I do not believe they have that similar call. I, I, there are some apps that you could go to on, uh, you know, on on your phone and possibly pick pick up the calls of the kite, but I, I cannot identify that. They're beautiful birds. Uh, they will hover a lot of time, and they probably will pick up uh, small mice or rodents as well. Uh, but I, I've seen before they will literally take a dragon out of the out of the air, which is pretty pretty cool to watch them. But uh, I'll look for that. I'll look for that on YouTube, maybe, and the calls. I appreciate it. Right. Well, thank you. And if you uh, do find out about the call, maybe let us know. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Thanks, Bert. Good to hear from you. We've got some open phone lines on Creature Comforts. If you'd like to call in with your question, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. In fact, here is an email from Mark who says, We recently took in two cats, both boys, neither are neutered yet. We got the younger one about three months now first, and the second cat about a month ago. He's six or seven months and about twice the size. Took some time for them to get used to each other, but now they're good together. But sometimes they fight and bite and hiss with their ears pinned back. Is this normal, and how can you tell the difference between playful fighting and fighting when they've hurt each other? And Dr. Major, even though I have one cat, I sometimes have the same question because sometimes we're a little bit playful, but then other times it looks like he's, he's a little bit angry. Uh, and so what are some signs for pet, pet owners to kind of maybe tell the difference? That is a great question. And uh, one of the problems that I see is where cats are isolated uh, only one cat, uh, a lot of times they will develop some tendencies as far as uh, maybe biting, uh, this sort of thing. Now, uh, in the case of uh, the two cats, the brothers, you can call them that, I guess, or, or housemates, uh, this is really important to let them kind of work their differences out. Uh, and this younger cat needs to learn that he can't just bite or scratch at will 
And what the older cat is doing is kind of pinning him down probably and letting him know. <laughs> uh, I have a similar situation. I just got a new, uh, new kitten, which I don't know that I needed to do, but my older cat passed away. I think I may have mentioned uh, three-legged kitty uh, had, had lung cancer, and uh, she passed away, and we were down to one cat, Jingles. He's a 16-pound black panther. <laughs> and uh he's he's a good cat but he was you could tell that he was depressed and so we got a kitten and uh it is so funny to watch them and the kitten the kitten wants to play you know and jingles does too but the kitten wants to play and he'll jump at uh jingles face or grab his tail bite it this sort of thing and occasionally jingles will pin him down and you'll hear this awful scream from the kitten to make matters worse, the African gray at home uh, <laughs> has imitated that scream. I don't know whether he's trying to get Jingles in trouble or not, but uh, both cats will be somewhere else, and you'll hear it and say, how can that be? But the bird picked up that scream. So I think there's a matter, probably in this case, of them adjusting and uh, kind of working out their differences. I would advise, though, that it's time to go on. It's definitely a neuter that uh, older cat. And uh, I, probably the younger cat, not not right now, maybe. I think he was said three months old. Is that yeah, right? that's what that says. Three months old. Maybe wait a little bit longer, but definitely with the older cat. You need to go on and do that before you start spraying the sort of thing, which is not a good deal. Uh, I've also heard that uh, male cats tend to be a little less aggressive uh, after they've been neutered. Is that true? That is generally true. Uh, occasionally, we see some psychological problems uh, where where they aren't. But in general, uh, a neutered male cat uh, usually is fairly placid and uh, it's a good pet. All right, it's time for our next break. When we come back, we'll continue taking your pet questions for Dr. Troy Major. Call in with your questions and comments. Our phone number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we're going to tell you about the oldest golden retriever in the world. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, and I'm here with Dr. Troy Major. It's a pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions. If you have one and want to join the conversation, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So as I mentioned before the break, a golden retriever in Oakland, Tennessee, has officially been dubbed the world's oldest golden retriever. August celebrated her 20th birthday back in April. Typically, golden retrievers have a lifespan of 10 to 12 years. She's still in great health for her age, though, despite experiencing some early-stage kidney failure that's treated with diet and supplements. Her owners say the kidney problems don't take much toll on August's daily life. She loves going on walks and playing fetch in the family pool. So we've got another caller on the line, and we say that good morning this time to Barbara in Waynesboro. Go ahead, Barbara. You're on the air with us. 
Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to ask Dr. Major about um, a great Pyrenees that I've just adopted. I live on the farm, on a farm, so it's a good environment for him. But he's six years old. He's intact. Um, he is extremely underweight. His previous owner that had had him from like eight weeks old died. And I suspect he, he went through a great deal of depression. But I'm having trouble getting him to eat food of any volume. He will eat canned dog food. Um, he will nibble at dry dog food. Right. But, I mean, he is thin to the point that he's kind of roached back. Right. Um, I was wondering if you could help me. Now he's six years old. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. And he got a perfect vet check. No parasites, nothing. You got him on heartworm preventive, which is yes, important. Yes, sir. Uh, is he going to be an outside dog? Yes, sir. Well, okay. he has a gigantic air-conditioned doghouse right now. Okay. Oh, you're taking because... good care of him. I don't, I don't oh, doubt yes, that. Sir. But, but they, they do excellent outside as well, and they're, they're kind of the protector dog. You know, if you have livestock, uh, uh, sheep, uh, goats, cattle, whatever, they like to stay with them a lot of times. And that's that's a pretty neat thing because they're it's bred in genetically, I think, to them. Oh, we yes, had one, sir. I, one. I have him with a small horse who uh, <laughs> I was in fear for because of coyotes coming up to the back right. end. Well, he's taking care of that. <laughs> so I'm very pleased with him, but I'm worried right. about his weight. Right. What does he weigh, just for information? Well, that's the thing, Doctor Major. He weighs eighty pounds, but he's yeah. just a bone. Right. Well. You know, it sounds like he probably needs to weigh 100 to 110 at least. Yes, uh, sir. I would go with the canned food, mix it with some dry food if you would, maybe wet it. The vet checked him and felt like his teeth were okay, which which is yes, important. Uh, I would suggest putting this dog on some vitamins. If you okay. don't have him on vitamins, the vet can supply those or you can get them elsewhere. Uh I think vitamins would help to stimulate his appetite and go heavier on the canned food right now since that's what he can eat or will eat. And right. uh, we don't know the whole history. He, As you say, depression, how well he was taken care of after his former owner passed away. Uh, we have one that's here at the clinic right now that was just chained out to a tree. Mm. I won't go into details other right. than the fact that he was really a rail much more than what you're talking about. And he really has come around. He's a beautiful dog. And, you know, you can tell from the tail wag that he's feeling a whole lot better. But he was neglected and just a bone when he came in. Uh, try, the, try, try the canned food. And you could even uh, mix some, make kind of a th- gruel out of it if you wanted to get dry food mixed in with it. Just put some yes, hot sir. water in there. Soak it and see what happens with that. It helps release the scent of that dry food and maybe he would uh, like it better like that as well but uh, neutering probably at some point Uh, how long have you had him I guess that's the other question I've had him three weeks okay and that's he's still in kind of a tentative position as far as trying to uh, get things straightened out I'm sure but it may be and then they had to completely quilt his coat right so he was he seemed very embarrassed when I first picked him up. He's coming around from that. It's better but, than most of the dogs don't see a mirror. 
and look yeah. at they might, they might they might think it's somebody else. Anyway, uh, keep working with him. I feel like he's going to be okay. Uh, only three weeks, but uh, it'd be great to get him up to 100, 110 pounds. That, yes, sir. If he has the frame for that. But it sounds like yes, a wonderful sir. dog. That's a great question, but uh, just work with him and uh, try to tease him along with the food, okay? Yes, sir. Do you have time for one more question about yes, this dog? Yes, okay. ma'am. I am almost totally blind, and I have a 35-acre farm. Yes. So I have other animals here as well. This dog yes, immediately picked up on that, and he thinks that he needs to go absolutely everywhere I go. And he takes the role more of like a C&I dog. How about that? That is really Yeah, it's great. really cool, but I just want to be sure I'm not like fostering some unhealthy dependence with him. Well, I'm impressed with the fact that he realizes that you do have some difficulty in seeing and I don't think there's, I mean, we have all kinds of dependencies between people and their pets. But I would say that's a healthy one based on what you're telling me. Okay? Okay, so I just need to just keep doing what I'm doing with him right. and let him and, be. And he's a help. He he's a, he should be a help to you, I would think, yes. Oh, he's a lot of fun, too. Right, you know, right. he, um, I raised bull mastiffs also, and okay. I've had to be careful with that because he doesn't want them to come up to me. He right. thinks that I'm his, you know. Well, but I, I, I have my place set up where I can manage that. Good, it's good. Just, uh, I just didn't want to be, you know, contributing to something negative for him. Listen, I think it's okay, but best of luck to you, and uh, maybe report back to you to us in a month and tell us how he's doing, okay? Okay, I would be happy to. Thank you for the information. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Barbara. We've got some open phone lines on Creature Comforts. If you have a question for Dr. Major, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, a few minutes ago, we talked about August, the golden retriever that was celebrated her 20th birthday recently. Uh, what are some things to keep in mind when you do have a pet that's getting a little bit older? So caring for your senior pet, what could be some tips to keep in mind? That's a great, great question there because, you know, we do see more and more people take good care of their pets. And I think even with the COVID situation, people have, in general have spent a lot more time at home. A lot of people are working from home and they see things with their pets that, uh, you know, need to be taken care of. Uh, my suggestion with the older patient is to establish a blood work baseline uh, at some point. Uh, what is what is an aged pet? Somewhere at 10. You know, we, we start thinking geriatric in some dogs at 8 or 9. But a baseline, checking kidneys, liver, uh, other parameters that your blood work can do, and then periodic checks. Kidney disease is one of the most common things that happens in, in cats. Uh, for example, as they get older, you have probably all have seen a cat that's kind of wasting away, skin and bones. Usually that cat has uh, kidney disease. Uh, same thing is true with dogs. Arthritis, especially with the dogs, as they get older, they may need a supplement or some uh, medication to help 
with uh, joint disease, arthritis, uh, as they get older. It's amazing that the golden retriever is in shape at 20. Uh, we do see some dogs here that are in that range and cats as well. Uh, so those are things. Sometimes we see some cognitive decline in dogs and cats. In other words, some senility possibly. These are the things that you need to talk to your vet about, and possibly there are some be, be some things that can be done. And I would imagine too, as your pets get older, to maybe the, the maybe not just the the yearly checkup, but to be a little bit co- closer contact with your vet so that they can help you make sure that everything uh, is going well from a health standpoint. Right, teeth are always a big problem in the older dog or cat, and if you understand what I'm saying there, mm-hmm. uh, gum disease, uh, teeth that are uh, maybe. Uh, beginning to abscess. These are things that certainly can affect both the heart, kidneys, and other uh, other parts of the body. So these are things that a routine checkup uh, every six months or so with the elderly is, is important. All right, uh, let's get one call in before our next break. We're going to Oxford, and Hayden is on the line. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Hi. I am calling about, um, it's sort of odd, I have an older boxer, He's about to be 10 in November, um, but we are outdoors a lot, and I've had a lot of friends recommend a certain brand of flea collar, and when I went to buy it, I was a little hesitant just because there were, you know, the negative reviews, one being that it's possible it can cause seizures, um, and my boxer, he's never had a seizure until last weekend, where he just you know, we're in the kitchen and he got excited when my partner came home and he fell over and blatantly had a seizure. Um, he popped up afterwards. He didn't realize what happened. Um, but I took the collar off immediately just knowing that's the most recent thing. I put it on him about a month ago. Um, and that was the most recent thing that's really changed with him. Um, and I've also been told that vets don't like to give dogs seizure medication unless they have more than one seizure a month. And I was just wondering how often or how probable is it that it is the flea collar or have you ever seen that in practice? Right. That's a great, great question because some of the flea medications and even heartworm medications uh, for a dog that is, has the potential for seizures certainly can potentiate that and make it worse. This dog has never had a seizure, to your knowledge, till now, so I would just observe closely. It may have been the collar, certainly, that could be incriminated. Boxers also tend to have some heart issues, so if you haven't had a good checkup uh, in the past year, (coughs) excuse me, a checkup in the past year, I would suggest uh, getting into your vet. Okay. All right. Excuse All me. Right. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> You're fine. I, I don't have the COVID. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I did. Actually, I had my annual, my semi-annual physical uh, this week, and I said, let's go on and do a COVID test, and it all came back negative. So that's that's good. Not that you can catch it over the radio, but I, I, I would I would advise though that. If he has another seizure for certain, he may have some other underlying cause causing this. And mm-hmm. we do see more seizures in elderly dogs, it seems like, uh, and, and 
some some vets may call it old dog seizure, but uh, usually seizures start at an earlier age than this, and I would have to say that the collar is suspect, okay? Okay. Yeah, I've had a Maltese that's had seizures before, so I wasn't, you know, crying or anything like that, but I just right. thought that, that was just for him right. to be this late and not seeing them before, right. I just thought that might be a possibility, so I thought I'd bring it up. Thanks, Hayden. Appreciate your call. Let's uh, move on next. We've got uh, Richard, who's called in from Jackson. Good morning, Richard. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a pair of uh, Great Pyrenees brothers. They're about uh, 100 pounds apiece, and uh, they're three years old or so, and they are... Uh, they fight each other. They fight over, they get mad at each other about who gets the food. And they live on a large farm and pretty much have the run of the place because they're there to look after livestock and so forth. Yes. And uh, I'm just wondering how, what I can do to stop them. They're, they, they're so big that you cannot intervene when they get in a fight. Right. And uh, they hurt each other. They, yes. They, okay. What is your procedure? Or how, how are they being fed? Are they being fed from a feeder, or are they being automatic fed? feeder? An automatic right. feeder. When I'm a, when I'm at the farm, I feed them in separate right. separate bowls, and uh, they fluctuate. One will one will get the best of the other, and right. their attitudes will change, and then the other will get the best of him and. And so uh, whoever's dominant wants to eat out of the other one's bowl. Right. The questions that I have for you are this. Is there, are they okay or uh, compatible in uh, all of the times, any other fights? Most, most of the time they get along great. It's just that right. they, they get, in a, get in a bad humor periodically and, and get into a terrible fight. But, but it's main, mainly the food. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Gosh, without somebody being there to supervise and spread the food out to different areas, my suggestion, and it may sound crazy, would be to have another feeder. In other words, have two feeders uh-huh. where uh-huh. if one is pushed away from the other feeder, it can go to the other. Um, this yeah. may be so ingrained in them that they, you know, they they don't want to accept that, but I would at least offer a separate feeder. Uh, since you're not there all the time, yeah. and and try that and see. They're how old now? They're three years old, and they okay. have not been neutered. Right. And, that you know, I can tell you, yes, they need to be neutered, but they might still fight. I've seen plenty of neutered dogs that fight. And usually uh-huh. the things that they fight are over food, affection. In other words, you're paying more attention to one dog than the other. Those are the two main things that I see. But uh, the the more dom the the more dominant slightly larger one is kisses up really bad and the other and, and <laughs> doesn't doesn't want to see me uh, being nice to his brother and, right, and he's right. more of the uh, more of the culprit but it right. seems to be that he, he they're just picking fights with each other over. You know, I, understand, I understand, but those are the two main things, and I have seen some brutal fights for dogs that live together, and some of those have been neutered and still fight. So to tell uh-huh. you that that would be the total answer, 
to have them neutered, I just can't say unless you tried it. Do try the feeder separate. Get another feeder. Try it separate and see how that works. And let us know if it helps. Okay? Great. Fantastic. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Thank you, Richard. Good to hear from you this morning. Let's uh, move on. Uh, We've got Romaine on the line from Jackson. Good morning. Go ahead with us. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Major. Uh, Good morning. You may remember Sankara. Well, um, this morning we had a hard time getting him to go outside. Um, He didn't want to go out to use the bathroom. Uh, Brought him back in, immediately began to urinate in the house. Got him back outside, still refused to go. Brought him back in, same thing. And eventually he finally went on the patio. But I I know it's raining, but he, he, he has to go out. Yes, I understand that. Patio is covered or... It's a covered patio. Yeah. yeah. But typically he runs off and goes off on the side, you know, in the hedges where he likes to go. But Has he ever done this before as far as refuse? No, because this, the last time, it, you know, we haven't really had that much rain. Right. I ended up keeping Sankara, by the way. So he's still yes, here in great, Jackson. Great, great, uh, Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, right. uh, yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Dr. Doctor Major knows Sankara. But, yeah. um so I don't know what to do with him. I mean, and it's, it, he has to go out. He, well, as, with the rain, this sort of thing, I think I would opt to leave him out on the patio as long as you can and let him go there. You can always wash that down. It's better than him going inside. Uh, I, I know some dogs that don't care whether it's raining or not, you know, but others for some reason, say, hey, I'm not going to go out. And he, he he chose the best, what he thought was the best thing. I don't know of another way to, to retrain him. You could try, and I doubt if he would do this, you could try some what we call pee pads uh, by the door. Yeah. He might, he might use those. I don't know. No, he went right beside it. Okay. <laughs> and, that's, and that's kind of like the, the dog going, uh, peeing on the uh in guy's bed this morning was talking about you know and she you know she she avoided the pee pads or moved them off so uh i think what you're going to have to do really is is probably just leave him on the patio until he goes rather than uh let him come back in and hopefully uh he'll straighten this out after the rain stops okay okay all right thank you thank you for calling best Mm -hmm. of luck to you all right thanks for the call uh, let's work in one quick break before we end the show. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're back to wrap things up with Dr. Troy Major after this. Hey, it's David Green, host of Morning Edition, here to wish Mississippi Public Broadcasting a happy 50th anniversary. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Dr. Major, got a couple of minutes left, and I can't remember if we talked about this when I heard it on the news, but, you know, we talked a little bit about senior pets and that sort of thing, and I remember hearing in the news recently that they have uh, re... um, well, that 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 seven years to one seven dog years to one human year is not exactly accurate anymore. I wonder if if you remember hearing about that in the news and kind of your thoughts on re aging dogs. 
Well, it kind of kind of bothers me in a way because I'm a large person, but the, the larger dogs generally tend to age faster. For example, it's unusual for a golden retriever to to make it to 20 because they're considered a medium to large breed. Uh, the small breeds not unusual to see uh, the small small breeds uh, 15 to 20 years. So, is that correct? Uh, does a 15 year old uh, is a 15 year old Chihuahua 105 years old? That's a good question uh, compared to humans. So, I think this has to. Uh, temper all this with the larger dogs are going to age faster. So, in other words, a, a boxer, for example, might uh, might be older compared to a Chihuahua. If you look at human years, does that make sense? Yeah, that's in interesting. I, you know, I never really thought about that. Could it be? Is it maybe the stress and strain on their internal organs if they're the larger animals? It's a genetic thing, of course. Obesity is a different story, but I'm, I'm thinking in terms of you know, the the larger animal. For example, we've had some people call this morning with Great Pyrenees. Uh, typically, those dogs live a little bit longer than some of the other large breeds, more like 12 to 15 years, uh, whereas the uh, boxers, you know, and I'm not saying this to upset the, the lady that has a boxer, but 10 to 12 years is a long time for a boxer. Okay. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, fund provided in part by listeners like you. If you want to hear today's show or previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener this morning was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.